0: Welcome to Satsang. Hello Vishrant. Can you please talk about the topic, From Darkness to Light?
1: It's a metaphor The darkness is basically dream and in that dream people believe that they are somebody that has been somewhere and is going to go somewhere and it's just a dream. You take away your imagination and the dream doesn't exist and we all know that Imagination is not real. And so the dream that people have of themselves, their past, their future, they're analyzing, this is the darkness. The light is awareness, consciousness, beingness, whatever you want to call it, it is our true nature. And it is always here, it is just covered from perception by dream. And so the journey, if you like to call it a journey, which is not true either, is from darkness to light, is simply leaving the dream, turning awareness onto itself so consciousness knows itself. And this is the light, because this is the truth of who and what we really are. The dream, which is imagined by the mind, is not who we are. But most human beings are identified with the dream, with their mind, with their body. And so, in a way, it could be said they are locked in darkness because that's where their awareness is at spiritual awakening enlightenment is knowing self as beingness pure awareness pure consciousness this is light in comparison and so the seeker comes from the darkness comes from dream and is looking for the light the light of enlightenment by turning that that is aware of the mind back onto itself that light is revealed at the same time it is clearly revealed that the dream and the identity of the I is not real and so it cannot be believed to be self. This process in a lot of ways is difficult because the mind and its dream are basically a survival mechanism and as such it defends itself. And so in its constant contracting to the world, resistance to the world, Awareness stays locked onto it. Even the attempt to turn awareness back to itself can be thwarted by a mind that is contracting against the world because then awareness goes back to the mind. And so the work for the seeker is an undoing process, undoing the mind, undoing all of the things that create resistance and contraction that attract awareness. And so in Buddhism we talk about developing an equanimous mind. That is a mind that will stay level no matter what is happening. And that is absolutely possible. We look at our mind, we witness our mind, and we undo everything that causes contraction. We undo the belief systems, we take down the defense systems, and we walk through the world in a vulnerable way. But this is not natural and this is the problem. It is natural for us to be contracted and live in resistance to some degree. This is natural. This is survival. And so those who have gone beyond that have gone against nature and one. And this is why enlightenment is relatively rare because the survival mechanism that calls itself I, needs to learn surrender, which is against survival. (laughs) There's, There's the trap. There's the problem. You're going against the default program of survival by practicing acceptance, surrender, let go. And it's difficult. It takes a fair bit, a fair bit of work to develop a consciousness that is high as opposed to one that is low. The one that is low is constantly in resistance to the world, contracting and going into story. The consciousness that is high, we're talking consciousness of the mind right now, doesn't contract, doesn't go into resistance, stays cool. From this level of consciousness of the mind, it is possible to turn awareness back onto itself and for awareness to stay on itself. And if it stays on itself continuously, this is enlightenment, from darkness to light. Any questions? Any statements? Any challenges to this teaching today?
0: The first question is, how can people who live in darkness start to find or see the light? And for me, I
1: had to go and live in America with an awakened master, Osho Rajneesh, because the dream seemed so real. It was very hard to not believe that I was a somebody that had been somewhere, that was going somewhere, that analyzed things. It wasn't until I sat in the presence of an awakened man and found myself disappearing as an I completely and there was just space that I realized, hey, I can't be an I because I'm here, but the I is not. (laughs) And so for me, it was the presence of an enlightened master who I tracked down and gone to America to live with at Rajneesh Purim in uh, Oregon, America uh, in 1984. And that was the beginning in a lot of ways of my spiritual life. I had started it before that, but it wasn't until then that it really got going. When I recognized clearly that I was not the mind and that this I was a fraud.
0: So would you say that living in the mind is just darkness? Or is there a pure, lighter version of mind?
1: Okay, so I'm sure that people would like to hear that there's a lighter version of mind. <laughs> but all dream, all thinking, if we're going to use the metaphor in light and darkness, is darkness because it's not real. Beingness or pure awareness or consciousness is real. The dream thoughts are not real. And so, awareness being light, dream being darkness. There is no light in dream, (laughs) it is darkness, because it's dream. Mindfulness training, meditation, gets you present to reality out here, takes you out of the dream, helps you to recover from the dream that you're lost in, and then gives you an understanding, well, I can be here without the thoughts. And so if I can be here without the thoughts, what am I really? What's here?
0: The following question is from Savi. She writes, Buddha said thoughts become objects. What was he referring to? My
1: take on that is that he was given the understanding that people believe their thoughts to be real as objects are real. Uh, the ability to discern the difference between what is real and what is not takes a fair bit of practice because most humans have lived in dream for so long, they believe that what they think is real, that it is actually an object. My understanding is very clear. No thought is real. There is no object. What is real is pure awareness, pure consciousness. And that cannot be described, but the closest is probably just vast nothingness of self.
0: (laughs) That's not an adequate description either. following question is from a viewer so all objects are darkness only beingness is light ah so true
1: (laughs) so true we dream the world we dream the world into existence what is aware of the dream is of interest to the seeker
0: The Buddha's last teaching was supposedly, be a light unto yourself. How does one do this, and can others help, or is it a solo journey?
1: So the phrase, be a light unto yourself, would indicate that you're trying to light yourself up. That's very early stage stuff. How about just be a light? if you can if you can facilitate enlightenment in the vehicle you as beingness become a light for everybody that you come in contact with like a lighthouse constantly radiating light no personal distinction whatsoever there just radiating the light the buddha field this is the light Be a light, wake up, be a light so others may see.
0: So you're saying to become a light so that others can see. Was this your motivation for enlightenment?
1: It was one of the motivations that was there, because um, ten years before uh, awakening occurred uh, I had taken the bodhisattva vows. And in the bodhisattva vows, you become a light so others can see. There is no such thing as selfish enlightenment, that's actually not a possibility. You can't get enlightened for you because you are not real in the first place. And selfishness disappears completely. Even the wanting to become awake disappears completely before awakening. Everything disappears. You are left with absolutely nothing. No past, no future, nothing. This is reality. Everything else is dream. So the mind drops, and in that dropping, which is a surrender, unconditional surrender, enlightenment is possible. Then awareness becomes aware of itself, and a Buddha field is produced by that, which is referred to as the light. It allows people to have clarity. It allows their minds to expand and become silent so they can see clearly.
0: The following question is from a viewer. If time is a mental construct, is space also a mental construct? (laughs) Take
1: away your thoughts and answer the question. (laughs) Time is definitely a mental construct. There is only now. Shut your eyes. What space? Without any thought, without imagination, what space? There is just here and now now awareness on awareness vast vast nothingness and out here love <laughs> so much love but this cannot be described in by words it cannot be it has to be known and so the endeavour is to turn that that is aware of the mind back to itself. So awareness becomes aware of itself, or consciousness becomes aware of itself. And then there is a knowing from the mind's perspective of what it all is, but that knowing can't be described because it's infinite. It just We don't have reference points to describe it. Everything we describe from an ego-based uh, reality has reference points so we can understand what we're describing. There are no reference points in beingness because it is everything. It is a totality. It is omnificent. Yet, sages for thousands of years have attempted to try to describe it, but they can't. You have to find out for yourself through your investigation
0: The following question has been asked by Savvy. I find myself chasing those glimpses of light I have sometimes experienced. Is that my mind chasing it? Is my chasing getting in the way of being light? No.
1: (laughs) No, unless the mind facilitates it, unless the mind seeks it, it won't find it because if the mind's left to its own way, its own nature, it'll just keep dreaming on until the body dies. The seeker seeks truth as self. And it is that thirst for truth that facilitates the possibility of enlightenment. Without that thirst, we would not strive to find, we would not remove the obstacles in the way. If there is one desire that is worth having, It is desire to know self as truth.
0: The following question is from a viewer. If I dream the world into existence, when do others and I experience suffering? Am I creating the suffering that exists within and around me? And when I realize I am suffering,
1: I'm sorry, but I'll only answer one question at a time. Uh, I'm quite prepared to answer any question, but I'm not prepared to have be bombarded by questions. Just one question at a
0: time, please. Okay, I'll ask the first question. Am I creating the suffering that exists within and around me? Totally.
1: You are totally 100% responsible for your suffering because every human being suffers pain experiences pain. That's a better way of putting it, experiences pain. We only suffer when we resist that pain or that discomfort. It is our resistance that creates the suffering, not the pain. And that needs to be clearly understood. Pain is just pain. Suffering occurs, whether it's emotional or physical, suffering occurs when we go into resistance to that pain. It is our resistance, which we are responsible for, that creates suffering. And so we are 100% responsible for our suffering because we supply the resistance. And we have a choice. We don't have to do that. We can start accepting life as it is. We can start accepting pain as it is. We can be willing to be with it without resistance. It's
0: a choice. The next question is from terry on facebook oh sorry i forgot the second question of the last question when i realize i am suffering why is it so challenging to end the suffering you're programmed to
1: resist you've been programmed to contract against pain You've been programmed to you were taught by your parents you were taught by nature because in nature our nature is to avoid pain and chase pleasure and so we're talking about um, programming how we've been programmed we're programmed to resist and because of this we suffer but because we're intelligent beings we can learn to not resist we can learn to accept life as it is but that's going to be up to you. No one at all can do it for you. As your consciousness levels rise you see that your resistance is caused by you not by what's happening out there and in that you can choose to not resist. You can choose to accept life as it is. Suffering ends. Pain doesn't end because having a human body and being in the world there is pain. But suffering ceases to exist because you are no longer resisting life.
0: The next question is from Terry on Facebook. Could an enlightened person do good by creating a cure for COVID? <laughs> oh, wow.
1: You don't enlighten <laughs> Enlightenment is just awareness aware of itself. After awakening you you might be lucky that you can even talk <laughs> let alone do anything. People project a great deal onto people who are awake that is not there. Anyone can on the planet can wake up. Anyone. Awareness can become aware of itself and stay aware of itself. That person may have no skill in communication, and so they'll probably go Mona. Mona meaning silent. They'll still be radiating beingness because that's what happens when awareness is on awareness or consciousness is on consciousness, a Buddha field is produced. But as far as doing anything else in the world, who knows, depending on what skills you had before awakening, if they're going to be used, if anything, at all. I remember when uh, enlightenment started to occur, I just sat still for six months, 18 hours a day, practically doing nothing, staring into space, profoundly content with everything, no motivation to do anything. (laughs) You see, one of the things that occurs is your mind gets to see the perfection, upon perfection, upon perfection of everything, as it is. The only motivator that I could find to move out and to do anything with people, was love. All other motivators had dropped. And because love was present, how that affected this mind was it wanted to help people. It wanted to see if it could help people out of suffering. Help people become more conscious. Help people become enlightened. There wasn't anything else to do. And even that, it was nice to sit still and do nothing. So this idea of going out and saving the world, the world is how it's meant to be. There's no mistakes. It's perfection upon perfection upon perfection. I think the only way that you're going to understand is for you to wake up. Our resistance to what is thinking things are right or wrong, is what creates unrest a restless state inside ourselves, which in a way forbids enlightenment anyway because it shakes attention to itself. The acceptance of life as it is, is the best. You don't have to agree with what's going on, but acceptance is a requirement if you're interested in raising your consciousness levels if you're interested in enlightenment. That doesn't make you necessarily ineffective in the world. You can operate from acceptance, particularly if love is perceived, because love will have you be in service to everybody until you die, because that's how the mind is affected by it. It just loves to take care of people Surrender unconditionally and find out for yourself.
0: The next question is as follows. How do you know when to pause before answering or when to answer straight away?
1: I don't, I don't think I wait for answers. You ask a question. The answer is either there, or it is not there. If it is not there, I wait for the answer. I don't think about it. It's a very different way of being in the world. We were trained at school to rationalise, to use our minds to work things out. But the truth is, we don't actually need to do that at a certain stage because we've been in the world long enough to, to have developed enough patterns to survive quite sweetly without too much rationalizing. So I think for the last 30 years or more, I've been waiting for answers. So a problem presents itself or a question presents itself rather than rationalize. I just wait for the answer to appear and it appears. Because my mind prefers to be silent rather than analyzing or thinking. And so either the answer is there, or it is not there. Sometimes it takes a second. Sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it doesn't come at all. But I'm not concerned. Either it's there or it's not there. Either
0: way, it's okay. The next question has been written by Kirti. For a few years, I have been able to go to stillness with little or no effort. However, mind still entertains itself. It seems hopeless. Is it?
1: I don't like hope, it's a dream about later. What I know works is self inquiry and not touching the mind. The mind comes, you don't touch it, you don't entertain it. You develop a habit of not entertaining the mind, because you currently have a habit of entertaining the mind. To change a habit, we need to introduce a new habit, a new pattern. I'm never going to suggest to people that this is easy. But my practices towards the end were simple. self inquiry and don't touch the mind. And basically, I got this from reading the Rebu Gita. To abide a self and not touch the mind. So you find the silence find the stillness, you find that space, the mind presents itself, don't touch it. This is a very high teaching. But it's up to you as to whether you want to follow it or not. I have absolutely no interest in what the mind does or says. Mind here loves silence and it loves stillness. It is pristine. One of my one of my teachers, a man called Vartman, used to tell a story about not touching the mind. He said, You're walking along in a park and you tread in some dog poo. And it gets on your shoe, and it smells. And you don't want to do that again, so you wipe it off, and from then on you avoid treading in the dog poo. You make sure that you don't tread in it. He referred to the mind the same way, as thoughts the same way. It's like dog poo. Once you've trodden in it, it stinks. You don't want to do it again. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I enjoyed that little story he told. And so self inquiry and don't touch the mind. Let it go. Stop entertaining it. Don't feed it.
0: The next question is from Satya. Hello, Sacha.
1: Hello, Isran. Isran, my question is regarding what is the way to live life? Okay. How's India today? Yeah, it's
0: beautiful. And uh, nowadays winter just started. So, yeah, it's good. But, yeah, there is only one problem. It's just coronavirus. That's all.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's only one way that I know that life is worth living. I mean, you can live life in many ways, but there's only one way that I know that life is worth living. And that is the way of the heart, because that is beautiful. And for that to occur for a human being, they have to be open because it is only really in openness and undefendedness that we perceive love. And when we perceive love, it affects our mind in a way that we want to serve others, serve the planet, serve the animals, serve everything. Because this is how love affects the mind. And this is the way of the heart. And this is worthy of giving our attention to. It's worthy of service. And so for 10 years before awakening, my mind chose to serve heart. And in that service of heart, people were served. My partners, my children, my extended family, my friends, strangers, clients, people who didn't like me. It didn't make any difference. Love doesn't have conditions on it. This is the beauty way. This is a way that is worth living. I hope that helps, Sacha. Yeah, uh, thank you, Visra. Uh, but in a combination, uh, can we add uh, self-inquiry and meditation with this also, or we just have to live the way of heart? No, the way of the heart is like, the way to higher consciousness is like a bird. And the way of the heart is one wing. The other wing is the wing of discipline. Self-inquiry, meditation, mindfulness, And so there's two wings to make the bird fly in the marketplace. The way of the heart, one wing. Discipline, the other wing. You see? Thank you, Thank you Israel. Fly high, Satcha. Fly high.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Israel. Thank you.
0: The next question is from a viewer. Can you explain how you accepted or surrendered to primal survival mechanisms like tall heights? Do you not feel that fear anymore?
1: I had uh, I had vertigo up until uh, awakening. Uh, vertigo is an unreasonable fear of heights. And I discovered it when I was a, a boy because um, I used to like to dive off the top of... Uh, a swimming pool tower that was um, 30 feet off the, the pool. And every time I'd go up the ladder to go up this 30 feet, I'd, my limbs would turn to jelly, but I would go up and dive and up and dive over and over again, because I was trying to defeat the fear. I, I never achieved defeating that fear. Vertigo remained with me my whole life until I was 45 years old. Uh, the worst event, I think, was going up in a in somewhere in, I think it was Hong Kong or somewhere, going up a lift that was made of glass on the outside of a building. And the floor was glass as well. And I just turned to jelly, <laughs> like rubber. I, I went up in it, but it wasn't pleasant. And then uh, in the, when I t- turned 45, um, awakening occurred. And I was down in Denmark, which is some hundreds of kilometres, 400 kilometres south of Perth, where I live. And I'd been in a retreat with uh, a spiritual teacher called Vartman. And before the retreat, I'd gone on this walk, which was called the Treetop Walk, where you did this walk on the on the trees, and it was 30 to 40 feet, sometimes 50 feet, 60 feet off the ground, and there was this tiny thin um rail that you walked along with hand things and i walked along it and i trembled the whole way because i just turned to jelly after awakening someone had invited me to go and walk on it again have a chat with them i walked on it all fear of all kinds had left there wasn't any fear Left at all. There hasn't been any fear experienced since then. It's gone. It died with the survival mechanism when unconditional surrender happened.
0: The next question is from a viewer. If the world is perfect, what is the purpose of COVID?
1: <laughs> what is the purpose of any virus? What is the purpose of any bacteria? They're just trying to live like you are. <laughs> Isn't it, Look, I've studied this for so long. What is the purpose of life? And I still come up with to live. There is no other purpose. Life itself. And we might look at Bacteria and viruses is the enemy, but they're just trying to live too. (laughs) They're just consciousness in a different form, trying to live as well. Everything is consciousness. All is one. The purpose of covert, it's just a virus that is trying to live. And it's devastating I think two to 3% of the people that it gets into. It's killing them, not to mention the damage it does to other people that get it. But interesting enough, have a look at what the human population is doing to the earth. Isn't it something similar to what the virus is doing? But I think we're wiping out way more than two or 3%. The only thing that's going to save this planet is higher consciousness, yet not that many people are going for higher consciousness. And so the purpose of the coronavirus, life, the purpose for human beings, life. The coronavirus destructive in that human beings die, that's tragic. Human beings destroying our planet's atmosphere, destroying our climate. Tragic. Everything's just trying to live.
0: The following question is from a viewer. What is love? How do I know when I'm experiencing real love? Good question in my
1: experience, I didn't experience true love until I was 33 years old. I thought I did. I thought the caring I had for my partners, for my family, the kindness, the generosity that I had, I thought that was love. I also thought my attachment to them was love and my bonding, chemical bonding to them was love. So I had all these ideas about what love was. And I thought that I knew what love was because I had felt all these things, but it wasn't until I was lost at sea, 60 miles off the coast, a boat had sunk and I was lost in the water for 18 hours with with a friend, my girlfriend, and we were being circled by sharks. And it wasn't until I looked over to her and felt the regret of not checking the weather properly before we went out and realising that she was going to die, as I was, that something happened and something opened in me and it was love. And it was the most beautiful, unconditional thing that I had ever, ever felt. It was non-directional, it was just there. And it was at that point that I realized that was worth more than anything else I had. And at that time I had been a successful man. But this little bit of unconditional love that I was experiencing was the true jewel of consciousness and worth going for. Because up until that point I'd lived myself as lived my life as a a businessman basically being successful in the material world thinking that uh, it was all about owning rolls royces and properties and businesses and certain image and having the right woman by your side for your looks and it wasn't until i experienced that unconditional love in the water I was suffering from hypothermia because I'd been in the water for 18 hours that I realized that I'd missed the boat. That I'd wasted 33 years of my life pursuing the wrong thing. And it was in that year that I walked into my companies nine months later and gave them to my staff so I could go on the road and pursue my heart because it was a clear recognition that I had become a war machine as a businessman and that my business was now in the way of what I knew was truly valuable. The heart. So I don't know the answer to your question, whether you perceive love or you don't perceive love. I do know this, that the perception of love occurs in openness not closure not defendedness but openness and the more open we can be the more perception of love we can have the thing about being wide open is there's very very little of you in the picture at that stage so the obstacles not there openness counts for everything And it's up to you. You're the one who closes yourself. You're the one that resists life. You're the one that's defended. It's up to you to undo you so you can perceive the beauty of unconditional love.
0: Is it true that when true love is found, you shine like a lamp on everything around you? Yes. (laughs) Yes,
1: it's true. (laughs) But there's no you doing the shining. There's an absence of you. It is true there is a light, a love light. It's true. But that's because the obstacle has been removed. The thing that contracts, the thing that dreams is gone. There's an absence of you as an eye. You are still here, but without the eye. And then... There is just love.
0: As I go deeper into my meditation, I can see a lot of beauty and light in the silence and stillness, but also a lot of evil and darkness. Do these two originate from the same source?
1: Can you ask that question again, please?
0: As I go deeper into meditation, I can see a lot of beauty and light in the silence and stillness, but also a lot of evil and darkness. Do these two originate from the same source? Okay.
1: Probably not. Mind you, everything originates from beings, but. If we go into it more precisely, uh, the idea of evil. If we take away selfishness, there is no such thing as evil. Evil exists because of selfishness. And so as we move through the world, as we become less selfish and more selfless, evil disappears inside of us. Unfortunately, we live in a world that is quite selfish in a lot of ways. Capitalism is a very selfish pursuit and we live in a capitalistic country. Selfishness is promoted through our newspapers, through our television media, through Facebook. People take advantage of our self-obsession making us unhappy so they can sell us products to make us look better. In the name of taking care of self, we hurt other people, because if we're selfless, we don't do that. The way of the heart really happens as a result of a lack of eye. In other words, no selfishness. And this is a beautiful way to live. But you've got to decide to serve heart. You can't just think oh i'd like a way of the heart that would be a nice way to live no you actually have to consciously decide to serve heart and then do whatever it takes to serve heart and part of that is letting go of selfishness letting go of what would cause evil on the planet the self the self-obsession the little eye. let it go, let it go and be free, so it comes back to you, you see if we look at different things, selfishness comes from the mind, if we look at light, it comes from awareness, being aware of itself, so they're kind of two different things, but ultimately they're not, because everything comes from beingness, or the great Tao, everything comes from it. the great mother. It's up to you. Have a look and see. Investigate for yourself. Anything I say is secondhand and borrowed knowledge. Not worth keeping unless you have investigated and found it to be your own direct experience and then it's worthy. Never ever believe anyone. Never ever, ever put beliefs in the maybe column. Check it out for yourself. Find out for yourself. Know for yourself through your own direct experience, what is true and what is not true. This is the way of the seeker.
0: Did you fight the darkness that you found within yourself? Fight the darkness? Heck
1: no. why would i do that that's that's me hurting me you see the darkness or what we want to call darkness uh is just part of the psyche you don't fight it you accept it but you don't run it we all have the good the bad and the ugly inside of us we all have that inside of us you don't fight it you accept it you just don't let it run because it might hurt someone we all have a killer, we all have a thief, we all have a liar, a cheat. Uh, we have everything inside of us. The whole world is inside of us. Why, why, go, why go against it? Why fight it? It's, that's ridiculous. That's part of your mind fighting another part of your mind. How can you ever be relaxed when you're doing that? No, you, you have to warmly welcome all parts of the psyche, but there's certain parts you don't let run. You're not going to let the killer run. You're not going to let the thief run, the liar run, the cheat run. You're not going to, you you don't do that, but you acknowledge them and you hold them in tenderness as well. So they are accepted. Every part of you is accepted. And in this self-acceptance, the mind can relax. When we don't accept ourselves fully, the mind cannot relax. Not possible. Because it's at war with itself. No, never fight your own mind never ever fight your own mind accept it as it is
0: that's best i experience your energy field as being light sometimes people have described seeing light seeing light in the buddha field why does this feeling or seeing of light occur and how to facilitate it more <laughs>
1: Facilitate seeing it or facilitate creating it. <laughs> Either, look, when awareness is on awareness, there is a Buddha field. And some people perceive it as light. Some people expe- perceive it as just an expansion of mind. Some people experience it as silence. Some people experience it as beauty. Some people experience it as love. Some people don't experience it at all. you want to facilitate it, surrender your life to truth. Surrender unconditionally to truth and give truth your life. That
0: works. There is a saying that goes, we are all broken, that's how the light gets in. Is this true in your experience?
1: <laughs> I really I really that's a Cohen. It's a really um, it's a really beautiful uh, idea. The light gets in through the cracks where where you're broken. Leonard Cohen, I think, wrote a song about it and sang a song about it. It's very beautiful. I really like the song. Uh, no, it's not true. <laughs> It's just an idea. The light gets in. When he's talking about the light, he's really talking about insight. You get to see it all. And as a result of seeing it all, then there's the potential of changing it all. And so in witnessing the mind, we see it all. We see what we're up to. We see the liar. We see the good, the bad, the ugly. We see the manipulations, the defense systems, the belief systems. We see it all. And because it's seen... This is the light. This is the reference to the light. Because it's seen, then something can be done about it. It can be altered. It can be surrendered. We don't need to let it run. We don't need to react. We can respond instead because it's seen. I think it's a little romantic to say that uh, the light gets in through the cracks in the brokenness of humanity I think that's just a romantic understanding. You want to see yourself. You develop a silent witness that watches the mind independently. And then you start to see. That allows the light in. <laughs> the inside in. Because you're watching from outside the dream. You're not locked in the dream anymore. The mind is just dreaming away. And you have a pattern that is watching the mind. There's, there's, there's detachment. That works. I wouldn't rely too much on uh, brokenness allowing the light in. (laughs) Though I do love Levin Cohen, I really enjoy his songs.
0: I've heard you say that an awakened teacher is like a flash of lightning that lights the path. What is the best thing for a seeker to do in the presence of a teacher who carries the light?
1: Look at the path. Look at what's being pointed towards. Don't look at the teacher. Look at the path. Look at what's being pointed towards. See what needs to be done while the light is there. So there's a story about two men being stuck in the jungle and they're lost. They're lost in the jungle. They can't get out. It's a dark night. It's wet. It's windy. It's rainy. And lightning strikes. One man looks at the lightning and says, Oh, how wonderful that is. So bright. Look at the sky. The other man looks at the path and sees the way out. Always be the man that looks at the path to see the way out. Forget about the lightning. People get caught up in looking at the teacher, admiring the teacher, admiring the one that the light's coming from, and they miss Where the teacher is pointing always look where the pointing is occurring
0: where are you pointing
1: (laughs) i'm pointing at you dude (laughs) i'm pointing back at you you got to look inside of yourself you got to turn awareness back inside of yourself you can't find it outside of you you are the light, you just have to find it inside of you. Self-inquiry, asking the question, what's aware might help. Undoing all the defense systems that keep you contracting to life, all the belief systems that keep contracting you to life, that'll help. But it's inside of you, I'm pointing at you. <laughs> you are already at your final destination. You are beingness itself. Discover that. Turn awareness back to itself. Thank you for
0: satsang. Good to see you brave hearts here today.